Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think we're all still basking in in some last dance euphoria. So, you know, when I think of Chicago, this is one of, if not the first guy that comes to mind. It might be Michael Jordan 1 and our next guest, Mr. 1A. Uh, The great Sam Panianovich. You guys know him. He joined us throughout the football season. We were about to get ready for a full slate of NCAA tournament games. Well, I think we know what happened there. But check him out on NBC Sports Chicago. Sam, my boy, what's shaking? It's good to hear your voice. How are you? Good to hear from you too, man. I think last time you and I talked on your show, it was the middle of March, and we were trying to decide if we should fly through a pandemic, the early stages, granted, of the pandemic, to go to Las Vegas and watch Syracuse win that first round of the tournament. Well, Sam, it's pretty crazy that night watching Syracuse take down North Carolina. And I remember having you on the night before. We're breaking down all the ins and outs. Little did I know two days later, the sports world would shut down and it would be the last sporting event I'd watch for 70 plus days. So you're a a sports junkie through and through like me. What exactly have you been doing out of curiosity? I love to ask people this question because, you know, our free time now at night is far more available uh, we don't have games to watch. We don't have games for the most part to wager on. So 70 plus days. What have you been doing? Oof. Can I give you the uh, Can I give you the uh, PC answer? I've yeah, I was going to say, give lot. me the, uh, the, the yeah. not the rated X version, please. Yeah, somewhere around PG, PG-13, I think is what the audience can, uh, can accept. Oh, I've been cooking a lot. I've become a better homemade bartender. Uh, let's see what else I've been doing. I've been, I tried to study for college football, but I don't know if we're going to have college football. So, and I, you know what? I can't watch one more show on Netflix, and, and here's why. I used to love watching Netflix and Hulu shows, but I used to love having, like, appointment viewing. I can't sit on the couch and go, hey, and then the TV asks you, hey, fat ass, you want to watch your fourth episode in a row? And you're like, yeah, I guess I'll watch it. You hit okay. You know, it's not even fun to binge watch TV anymore. I'm at that point of quarantine. So um, I can't even watch the old sports either. Like, I've, I've been through the ringer on 2010 Blackhawks and – 05 White Sox and 98 Bulls. They've been showing all these games on television, and I was burned out. 
with the old games about two weeks in. So last dance was nice. Just finished that off, but really been doing a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I'm with you there a thousand percent. And I feel the exact same way you do about the old games. It was great for a couple weeks, but now I need something that's alive. But before we look ahead, Sammy, as a Chicago guy, I got to get what your initial reaction was to watching the last dance, because I'm sure for many people your age growing up in Chicago and forget about Chicago nationwide, even here in New York, when Michael Jordan should have been public enemy number one, considering my beloved Knicks could never get through him. I mean, I talked to Knicks fans who said it rooted for Michael Jordan. Now, listen, I root for him now. The cigars, the, the, the gambling, the golf, like I can't get enough. But at the time, I mean, I, I wanted to see this guy lose in the absolute worst way. So being Mr. Chicago, what was your grand takeaway from uh, getting a look at the last dance? Well, first and foremost, it was nostalgic because, you know, when I turned nine years old, Jordan was about to win his sixth championship. So I, I only knew him as pretty much a champion, you know, through the formative years. So it was cool to sort of relive that because I'll be honest with you, I don't remember 91, 92, 93. Um, I sort of remember that 96 season. They go 72 and 10. And then, of course, they run the three-peat back. But nostalgic is number one. And, and I think more so than anything, the reaction to that is sort of how Michael Jordan controlled the whole thing. I mean, we know that, right? And if you don't, you're not paying attention. Um, the way they make Scottie Pippen look like he quit on the team, you know, in 94, and the way that they sort of showed a lot of other people in that piece. We know Michael Jordan was pulling the strings, and he had the final say on all of that. And, and the point that I told you earlier when we were talking earlier today about coming on tonight, you know, all of these things can be true. Michael Jordan, incredible basketball player, kind of a jerk, and somebody who likes to gamble on everything. I think all three of those things are true, and we only got a little bit of the gambling stuff. Like, yeah, he doesn't have a gambling problem. Okay, you, I could find five people in Chicago that would tell you differently. And he wasn't a good guy on the court, not only to his opponents, but to some of his teammates. So the ultimate competitor, uh, we know what we get with Michael Jordan. I can still hear the vitriol in your voice when you talk about Michael Jordan, because I know your Knicks were just jobbed left and right until he retired the first time. Um, but it, it was a nice trip down memory lane. But I wish I wish it was not under the uh, Michael Jordan lens. You know, this felt like a documentary for Michael Jordan, not for the 90s Bulls. Totally get that. Um, do people in Chicago, Sam – by the idea that Jordan's first retirement was a thousand percent gambling related. We know David Stern, look, you know, to lose the guy who was the megastar and this notion of like an 18 month suspension, I for one never bought that. But I'm curious, you know, the insider Chicago perspective, what was the initial takeaway and what is like the overall takeaway that most people have to why Jordan left and went to your White Sox to play baseball for a year and a half? It's a little convoluted, and I did talk to some reporters that were around him every day, some of the beat writers and some of the reporters that covered him, 91, 92, 93, and they sort of shined a light on this a little bit in the documentary. Like, that 92, 93 season, man, and you saw this. I mean, just throngs of reporters everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes. You know, he can't, he can't breathe in public without having a camera or a microphone in his face. And that was when some of the gambling stories started to pop up. And, and he was just getting pulled in all the wrong directions. And somebody had told me, and she covered this team, you know, every single game. She said, look, he just didn't love basketball anymore. When you combine that with some of the gambling stuff, and you combine that with the death of his father, his father always wanted him to be a baseball player. 
I think it's a package deal with a lot of different variables. I don't think he retired because he had a, had a gambling problem or because this happened because of said gambling. I think it was a combination of a lot of different things. But I think at the forefront was just a guy who didn't love basketball anymore, and he felt like he had nothing left to prove. Uh, prove. Now, other things sort of happened along the way that maybe helped him in his decision. But I think at the root of it, it was an issue where he just didn't love the game anymore. He had three championships, an Olympic gold medal. He, he felt like he accomplished all he had to do at that point in time, and he wanted to step away. But certainly, um, you'd be kind of silly if you didn't pay attention to the other details around that situation. Sam, how much grief does Jerry Reinsdorf still get for the way that 98 season and the aftermath played out? Is he still like somebody that's hearing about it to this day? We know Jerry Krause and his ego got in the way, but you're the owner of the team. Ultimately, you could step in and say, hey, We've just won another three-peat. Michael, Scotty, Phil, they all want to come back. I'm going to make sure that they are coming back. Who takes most of the brunt in Chicago? Is it the late Jerry Krause or is it more so Jerry Reinsdorf or kind of somewhere in between? I'd say Jerry Krause gets about 65% of the blame for the breakup. Uh, You can give Reinsdorf maybe 15 or 20 and then give the remainder to Phil Jackson. But, I mean, Phil Jackson – it was clear he wasn't coming back. And that was another part of the end of the last dance where Michael said, you know, they all would have came back. Look, a couple of things were ignored when Jordan said that. He sliced his finger with a cigar cutter going into that 98 offseason, and his finger was just totally jacked up on his shooting hand. So that would have been really interesting. Pippen was not coming back. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't care what Scotty says on ESPN, like, oh, I would have came back. He, he complained for seven years about not getting paid. So he was out the door. Phil didn't want to be there anymore. He was going to ride his Harley to Montana. And then, you know, a lot of the supporting cast, like Dennis Robin wouldn't have came back. You know, they let him go. So uh, it's easy to say, you know, many years later that they would have came back for a chance at seven. But at the time, in that moment in time, uh, it was just impossible. But Jerry Krause, he's always going to get more of the blame, even though he was the one that built the team around Michael Jordan and then completely retooled it for 3P number two. I mean, the only... Uh, cast members that were in 91, 92, 93, and then 96, 97, 98 were Jordan and Pippen. He did a very good job, and he drafted Pippen and drafted Horace Grant, um, signed or traded for Rodman. So uh, he did a great job of building around Michael, but unfortunately uh, he gets more blame for how it ended uh, than he does credit for how he built it. We got Sam Penianovich from NBC Sports Chicago. He's a wise guy. He joins us throughout the football season and checking in as we are now 70-plus days without a live sporting event. Now, Sammy, we have not had you on since the NFL offseason and draft played out over about an eight-week period, and at least that gave us something to talk about. Are you buying or selling the revamped Newark Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or is this team last year's version of the Cleveland Browns all over again? I don't know that they're the Cleveland Browns of last year because Freddie Kitchens was one of the worst head coaches in the history of the game. So let's throw that out there, number one. Uh, But they are a very overrated football team. And and I make my list going into the season. I do the overrated list and the underrated list. And these are just in alphabetical order. The three overrated teams this year, the Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Baltimore Ravens. Underrated for me, Chicago Bears, Cleveland Browns, who nobody wants to bet this year, even though everybody liked them last year. And I think the Dallas Cowboys are a little undervalued this year. But back to the original question, Tampa Bay, I mean, with a win total at 10, meaning they have to win 11 games for you to win that win total on the over, they have to go 11-5 and five or 12-4. and four. 
Oh, with a quarterback who's 43 years old, it's just, it's hard to bet that. I actually I look at it this way. I saw him at one shop at plus 250 to miss the playoffs. How do you not entertain that? What happens if Brady gets hurt week two, three, or four? What happens if it doesn't work? What happens if there's chaos in the locker room? What happens if Bruce Arians can't keep it on the rail? I have more negative questions than I have positive questions. And I can't bet them to win the Super Bowl at 12 to 1. I can't go over 10 on the win total. I think it's a team you have to look at shorting. But I like to short where I can make some profit here. And I'm telling you, 100 to win 225 on them to miss the postseason in a division with, oh, by the way, the New Orleans Saints, who might be the best team in the NFC. That means they have to win a wild card spot, and the Bears will be better, the Vikings will be better, maybe the Rams will be better. Um, I don't think it's it's anywhere near a lock that they make the postseason, but because of that inflation and the overreaction, you got to lay minus 250 for them to make the playoffs, and it's plus, you know, <laughs> or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, so plus – what was the price I said on the Bucks? Plus 175? Yeah, minus 225 to make the playoffs, plus 175 to miss. How do you not entertain the plus on the, on the miss? Yeah, I could see how you make the point of value, especially with a new team coming together. But they did win seven games last year. They do add Tom Brady. They take away a quarterback. They turn the ball over 30-plus times. I, I don't know if I'm putting Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. I think they're overvalued on that. I just wouldn't go anywhere near a total, and I wouldn't go anywhere near a make or miss the playoffs. I'm curious, though, Sam, you mentioned Buffalo overvalued, and I totally get the analytical standpoint of looking at Buffalo as an overvalued team. Won a lot of close games last year, had a very soft schedule, but I come back to the fact that the Patriots lose Tom Brady, the Dolphins, as improved as they are, and as hard as they played down the stretch, they still were a five and eleven team a season ago, and the Jets were as bad a seven and nine team as you're ever going to see. So even with the Bills being overvalued, I look on paper, Sam, I still think they're a the team to beat in the AFC East. They certainly are, and they're favored to win the AFC East. But think of it this way: Week number one, the Buffalo Bills, when they face the Jets, the Bills are a six point favorite at home against the Jets. I just think that's too many points. Like, I would lean to the Jets in week six. I'm not so much saying that they're overrated to win the division or to go over the win total at nine, but you're going to pay a premium on teams like the Ravens, on the Bills, and the Bucks in the first couple weeks of the season because bookmakers have to over-adjust that line. Like, I think that true line Buffalo against the Jets is probably four and a half or five, but you can get a fat six right now in Las Vegas if you like the J-E-T-S Jets. Uh, that's what I mean. And then how about week number two right now? You can bet this in Vegas. Buffalo is a three-point favorite or a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Miami. I think that's probably closer to, you know, two, two-and-a-half. So you're going to pay a premium on games with teams that played really well last year because if everybody thinks that they're as good as they were last year, and that's usually not the case. How do you, Sam, how do you feel normally about betting games in week one or week two in, you know, the end of May, Memorial Day weekend, give or take? Like, normally we have so much stuff to look forward to, whether it's baseball or basketball or hockey and major tournaments and golf that you're all sorts of distracted. Is this a practice of yours that you've gotten involved with over the years, the idea of finding that value early maybe in a week one spread? Yeah, I really take it easy early in the season, and I can't tell you that I've had anything right now week number one as we look at the calendar, and it's you know May 20th, May 21st. I haven't bet a game in September yet, but I'll think about it once we get, you know, through training camp and see who's available and who's healthy and who's not. Um, but there are just teams that have really good spots. Like week number one, I think the, the biggest public 
side of week number one. Look at that Sunday night game. On Sunday night, September 13th, Dallas Cowboys go to L.A. to face the Rams. Nobody is going to be picking the Rams here. And it opened Dallas minus three. Guess what it's at right now? Plus two, plus two and a half on the Rams. So the sharp money already came in, took the Rams plus three. You can get a couple threes right now. Um, But Dallas is extremely overvalued there week one on the road in the Coliseum against the Rams. And then another team that I think is a little overvalued right now um, is the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they're laying nine points week number one. I like when they hit their stride mid-season, late season, when they were starting to get rolling and they were running the ball really well. It's hard to win early in the season by double figures. And you saw that move, too, against the Ravens. They opened minus 10 week one, and now it's down to nine or eight and a half. So uh, the wise guys are already week number one, even though it is May, and we laugh and we joke about people betting these games early. People bet teams at the right number, and they took Cleveland at plus 10, and they took the Rams at plus three, week number one, months away from kickoff. Sam? Million-dollar question that everybody's trying to figure out. We'll get to the match momentarily because I'm all fired up about watching not only Tiger and Phil, but the idea of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's this, like, never-ending question of when are we going to get a return to sports? And, you know, trying to figure out with baseball, Players Association, the owners still trying to find some sort of an agreement here in progress about Disney World when it comes to the NBA. The NHL's talking about a 24-team tournament. Gut feel at this point, Sam. When do we get that sort of long-anticipated return that we've all been searching for? When do you think that's going to be? Major League Baseball, July 4th, twenty. So you think baseball we'll be will be the first of the big four to come back? I think so. I think it will be, yeah. I mean, NBA is talking about doing some stuff at Disney World, and, and we'll see how that is. But I've actually seen some rumors that it might be August or even September, and then they might do a quick postseason and then ramp up the regular season uh, shortly after. Uh, I don't know about the NHL. I mean, there are reports, and this could be totally wrong, but I'm pretty confident baseball will come back. And, I mean, we're almost into June right now. So, you know, let them go handle their spring training version two, uh, figure out where they're going to play. But I'll tell you what, man, there's no way these baseball owners – I know that they have millions or billions of dollars, but can you imagine if, if we don't have baseball in 2020? I mean, that could ruin the sport forever. I, mean, oh, I don't disagree with that. And listen, it, they survived the back. strike in 1994, but here's the big difference, Sam. Netflix and, and just the iPhone and the idea of just being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want it. And a sport like baseball has seen a decline in its popularity. And if you are dumb enough in a pandemic where you finally get the medical go-ahead to play and you're going to let money get in the way, yeah, the sport, let's be honest, Sam, they don't deserve to survive that. They really don't. Yeah, and that sport struggles, too. I mean, it's not as popular, clearly, as the NFL or college football. I, I would say the NBA is much more popular. And I would even argue that, you know, more people consume college basketball around the country uh, than they do Major League Baseball, which still, to this day, has a superstar problem, and it has an American superstar problem, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, baseball needs to come back. It, it could not afford a whole year off, and uh, the revenue bite would be serious if Major League Baseball doesn't come back. Let's get to the match, my friend. Uh, is this an event that you are into because there's nothing going on? Or does the <laughs> idea of Tiger, Phil, Peyton, Brady, no matter what, kind of appeal to you? It does not really excite me that much. But uh, I talked actually to a couple golfers who, uh, who know these cats pretty well. And, and I've shaped a couple different 
uh, what do we call them, the wet the beak plays for you. So I didn't play Tiger or Peyton or Brady Manning. I, I didn't play the side, which, by the way, has already been fed up. Uh, Tiger Peyton opened minus 150, and now I saw him like minus 210 before we came on here. So it's already moved 60 cents toward Tiger and Peyton, and I'm okay with that. But here are a couple things you could think about. The first um, fairway for both Brady and Manning, to hit the fairway, yes, they both hit it. Shot number one, yes, minus 130, no, plus 110. You got to think the nerves are a little high here, and they're in a situation where they're very uncomfortable. I like the plus 10 on the no fairway for both of them on hole number one on Sunday. That's the first one. And I got some insight here on uh, Phil Mickelson. You know, he just signed that deal with his uh, his hat partner, Mellon, M-E-L-I-N. He wore a hat all regular season last year. You can bet right now, will Phil wear a visor or will Phil wear a hat on Sunday? Visor minus 150, hat plus 110. He just signed a deal with a hat company, and he's hawking hats right now for 60 bucks a pop. I would imagine... And you know Phil, he's Mr. Logo. He's Mr. Do What the Advertisers Want with his KPMG on his polo and his hat. He's going to do what the sponsors want. And I think he's going hat here at plus 110 on Sunday. I've been told that uh, it's a pretty good chance he's got a hat on. It's a pretty good price at plus 110. Yeah, I like the sound of that. We got Sam Panionovich from NBC Sports Chicago. And, Sammy, before we get you out of here, if there are some win totals, futures the the other sports you can't find them at this point because nobody knows what the season is going to look like so you know our cubs under bed is finished our white Sox over bed is finished um my cincinnati reds bet is finished so at least the nfl were on the mindset of the assumption there's going to be a 16 game season if you had to throw in a make miss playoffs an over under bet like if you're just you're itching right now. You're itching, you're itching, you're itching. Well, what would be suiting your fancy? It's a tough division, but it's a buy low spot on a team with, I think, a really good head coach who really got unlucky in a lot of close games last year. They lost a lot of close games. He was still sort of figuring out how to coach his team on both sides of the ball. Uh, Joe Flacco is no longer there in Denver. I look at the Westgate. Uh, or sorry, Circus Sports has seven and a half on the Denver Broncos. He went seven and nine last year. So they bring in Drew Lockett quarterback, and they really got him some weapons. So you had Portland Sutton in the cupboard already. They drafted Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. You've got Noah Fant, big Noah Fant at tight end. Phillip Lindsay, they signed Melvin Gordon with a defense that got progressively better last year uh, under Vic Fangio. They were 22nd in defense in 18 They were 12th last year. I imagine they get better because the offense will have the ball longer. It's a tougher division with the Chiefs and with the Chargers. The Raiders might be a little better. Uh, But I got the Broncos winning eight games or nine games. I think that's a a fringe playoff team. I like the over in Denver on 7.5 minus 120. I think the Broncos are an eight- or a nine-win team, maybe even more, uh, with a really good defense and a much better offense now that that old Joe Flacco is out of the picture. Sammy, you are the best, my friend. I enjoyed catching up. This was long overdue. And hopefully the next time I'm having you on the show, by the way, we can actually, you know, break down the start of a season. Wouldn't that be a novel concept? Sounds good to me, brother. Good to hear from you. There you have it. That's a great Sam Panionovich over at NBC Sports Chicago. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. 
Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.